The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover, step back. Right here on 960theref.com. All right, welcome to episode number 181 of the crossover podcast from The Morning Show. I'm David Johnston, and from The Home Team, he is Jeff Dantzler. Thanks so much for joining us, as always. Of course, you can find us in the App Store with your iPhone or Google Play with your Android. And we are moving right along. We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. It is the last day of March. Tomorrow, then, will obviously be April Fool's Day, so that'll be perfect for me and Jeff. A lot of stuff going on with Georgia baseball, a lot of stuff going on with Georgia football. The Masters is cranking up next week, so we're certainly excited about that and Jeff we had us a little scare at Georgia football practice but it sounds like things are going to be okay with Jermaine Burton and it's not a torn ACL or anything like that but after what happened with George Pickens last week we get the news yesterday in fact we're at Clemson last night and we'll talk Georgia baseball here in just a few minutes but we get the news about Jermaine Burton, and it kind of throws us off a little bit. Uh, it certainly did, and, and with Pickens going down, and you know, Pickens is clearly one of the best receivers in the country, and I think he's proven when he's been available that he's Georgia's best player. So to, to lose him was an enormous blow. And then you hear this about Burton because there is good depth at receiver. Now it's hard anytime you lose your best player at a spot, but thank goodness it was just hyper extended. So he'll likely miss the rest of the spring, but should be good to go when the season starts. But now you, you think about Georgia's top five receivers uh, between Pickens, Jermaine Burton, Dominic Blaylock, Marcus Roseby Jackson and Arian Smith have all had significant injuries. Yeah. Remember, Smith didn't come on till late. Obviously, a Marcus Roseby, he was injured in the Florida game on that gruesome play. But the other three have all been ACLs, and that's just uh, one of those deals. And, and these guys are so strong and so powerful and so muscular, and that, that's across the board. You just see so many of these ligament injuries now. Yeah, and I mean, what I mean, is it just hey it's a coincidence hey it's just going on with certain things i mean it is very strange though that uh, i mean i haven't perused the rest of the country but are there similar incidents and injuries going on with other teams well i would bet that uh, that kirby smart's looking at that 100 percent and saying like, okay uh with with the injuries are they happening like for instance did burton's injury take place uh indoors like george pickens did if Pickens did take place indoors, I'm not sure if it did. I'm just throwing that yeah, out there yeah, for example. Yeah. But, but I, I think it it is a common thing. And and just to kind of uh, simplify it, uh, since neither Dave nor I are, are medical experts here, <laughs> we just play them on the radio. That's exactly right. Yes. But these guys are so strong, and you, you just you feel. And this is across the board in football. I mean, we see it all the time. You know, you watch, uh, you know, the the Monday ticker on the NFL Network or ESPN, and it's just littered with, you know, guys. Everybody seems to lose a player every week. And uh, they're, they're just so strong and so powerful that the, the joints, the tendons, and 
they're they're just redlining. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's now, and and the crazy thing is, it seems to come in bunches. But like you said, we did at least get to breathe a sigh of relief that it was just a hyperextension there for Jermaine Burton because losing Pickens was brutal enough. But if Georgia would have lost two guys in a position where finally we feel like, all right, the Dodgers are getting the depth back there. Ugh. So if you're the all-time quarterback and you're picking sides just off the Georgia roster, who's the first guy you're taking? Is Pickens available? Well, yeah, if everybody's healthy. I, oh, I think it's Pickens. Yeah. Now, I'm not so saying is that, your, is that saying he's the best player on the team? Yes. I, I'm not saying it's necessarily the most valuable mm-hmm. because, I, you know, you, you and I, I'm like, all right, well, what about Jordan Davis? You know, Trayvon yeah. Walker, yeah. Jalen Carter, Jamari Salyer. I'm looking up front, but I, I just think as far as overall raw talent goes, he's the best player on the team. Who would you put, like, in your top five then? Let's see. Is this, it, so is this is this where we're going to rate our talent? No, you know, what's the what's the old coaches uh, thing that they like to do? Rate your best players one through mm-hmm. 85 that are on scholarship. Yeah. And that that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. But let's go through this. I would say, and if I leave anybody obvious out, please say, because sometimes you're like, oh, my God, you know, that guy was two-time All-SEC. I yeah, completely, like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I forgot about forgot him. Out here. I would say Pickens, Darnell Washington, Jamari Sawyer, Jordan Davis. Uh, I'm trying to think who's our best linebacker right now. Uh, would, I wouldn't put Anderson or Smith up there yet. I, I think they could put it in the Kobe Dean. Okay. And with Lewis Seen right knocking on the door, All right. too. All right. I, I mean, Dean kind of seems like a no brainer, doesn't he? Where would you, if you had to put Burton somewhere on the one to eight? I would say he was in the, would be in like the 10 to 15. Yeah. Guy who's so coming. When, when you look at it that way, you're talking about. Your number one guy and somewhere in the 10 to 15 guys, both out for the spring and, well, and think one about, guy out for a, probably a significant amount of the season, if not the entire season. Well, and, and think about the Florida game. You know, if, if you'd have told us before the year, right, Georgia's going to have to do this without Pickens, Jordan Davis, and LeCount, who all three would have been top five or six, yeah. and, and then seeing gets ejected for the big hit. Like well, no, you're probably yeah. not going to win. Not going to win, and and it's so that's that, that, that's a good question. Just keeping those guys there. The good thing is there are a lot to choose from. Georgia's yeah. got a lot of really really good players, um, and, and especially on that front seven, a lot of really good defensive linemen. And you know we we didn't name any of the backs, but Georgia's got a lot of really good backs as well. Now a guy hopefully who will be in that top five is going to be JT Daniels because that's going to be critical. And I think that that's that's a big question too with, with everything that had happened at quarterback when Daniels got in and solidified things. He certainly played well, but now that he's going to have an entire off season, a year to get healthy how good is he going to be you know is he a guy who's just hey this guy's a good quarterback definitely good enough to win the east and and play for an sec championship or is he going to be a guy who's like this guy's really good like he is a great player so is he going to be good is he going to be really good or is he going to be the difference maker and only time will tell only time will tell and g day is what two and a half weeks Mm -hmm. away and uh, it sounds like Burton is done for the rest of spring. You know, if that's what it takes, then then so be it. The quarterback battle is interesting, though, because you've got a, a, a good full room right now with Daniels and Vandegrift, and it sounds like Beth Beck is having maybe mm-hmm. a good spring so far. And then 
Stockton's going to be in the mix next year. And Georgia's had a, like, since you and I have done the the podcast here, Georgia has picked up, I think, three different players. No doubt. Including Malachi Starks from just up the road in Jefferson. Now, that was that, that was enormous to get Starks. And number one, one of the top prospects in the state. Uh, number two, you know, he is projected as a safety. Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, Dave, uh, you, you and I were together one day just kind of going through some of his numbers. But he had one game this year where he ran for over 300 yards. I mean, the guy is just a, a phenom, and uh, everybody says he comes from a great family. And I know he's got to be excited to be staying home uh, to play for Georgia uh, and certainly to get Jalen Walker, an outside linebacker from North Carolina. That's just the second uh, out-of-state commit. And then Georgia got a running back named Jordan James, who, you know, is is one of the top two running backs from the state of Tennessee. Not only was that a big get for Georgia, it was a big miss for Tennessee. And then we found out the news that the dogs went down under and got a punter named Brett Thorson. Uh, he is out of the Australian Academy that, that trains kickers, and we've seen a lot of those guys. So this is apparently the heir apparent there to Jake Camarda. So recruiting has been going great. What is this? So the Academy that trains kickers. I'm, I'm looking at this. Is It says his high school <laughs> – Pro Kick Australia. Like, there you go. <laughs> I don't believe I'm familiar with there that. There you go. That's that's my kind of school right there. So you know that that begs to to ask a question. Who's the best international player we've ever, ever had? Richard Tardis. Got to be the Blitz from Biarritz. Yeah. Yes. Now, wasn't Don, and for bad, Dominique was born in France, I believe. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Well, we, was Eric Zier born in Germany? No, his he was there. His father was stationed there. Okay, but he there. wasn't born there. No, okay. no, he was okay. not. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should rephrase the question. Maybe we should bring this one back up later. Who were the best players Georgia's ever had that were either born overseas or yes. played at least like high, some type, some part of their high school overseas? And Zaire did play two years yeah, in Germany. Yeah. You know, he the, definitely played over there and then came back to Marietta. And the story goes, you know, they sent film around and the high school coach said, whoa, you got to come see this guy's film. <laughs> he might have a chance to start. This guy might start year. for you. He's pretty good. So that that is pretty cool. But yeah, to your point, DJ, the recruiting is going very well, and Georgia really stacking it up on the defensive side. You see, Kirby's got the, the vision and the master plan. Just when I think back to the class of 2020. Uh, Georgia only signed one linebacker. That was M.J. Sherman because the dogs had had back-to-back classes where it was stacked up. And that's what we've seen last year and this year, mm-hmm. now all that depth. But for this coming class, the freshman this year, Georgia signed four linebackers, all highly touted. And the dogs are probably going to sign five for next year. And, and I think what you're seeing at linebacker and offensive line or the cycles, we have back-to-back great O-line classes. You'll probably see Georgia maybe get two or three O-linemen in this class then go back the next year. To, so it's almost like at linebacker and O-line, it's heavy, heavy, light, heavy, heavy. That just seems to be the formula for what Georgia's doing. And also, there have got to be years, and this is where you've got to be able to count on your talent evaluation. Uh, like this year in the state, there are a lot of good defensive linemen, and that right. is the hardest position to recruit. So you got, and Georgia's already got a commitment from one and another out-of-stater plus a, a hybrid defensive end. Got to get those other two, Michael Williams and Christian Miller. But there are going to be some years where you might have to adjust how you do things just because it might not be as strong for a given year 
here in your state. Right. And that's where that evaluation is so big. And and Kirby, one of the things that he does as well as anyone, and, and he proved that since day one when he got here, he is a master with that roster evaluation. Yep. And and just peeking ahead. I mean, there were some years past where you think like, well, you know, Kamara is going to be a senior. We're getting in. It's like, okay, well, here we go. We got a punter coming in from Australia. But, <laughs> but definitely in the line of scrimmage on, on that front seven, it's uh, the, the the foresight there for the roster is very nice. But you're still going to run into things you know, like with the secondary this year. All these guys decide to turn pro and Tyreek Stevenson transfers and you're, you know, you, you recruit and you recruit and you recruit. And then sometimes things just happen. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing. And you mentioned Kirby being such a good, you know, master of, of, of roster management and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, evaluating talent and it, you, you got to figure that's going to pay off. If nothing else, depth at positions, Hey, George Pickens is not a guy that you just say. I mean, I know everybody wants to say next man up, and that's yeah. really all you can say, but that's a significant loss. Jermaine Burton for the rest of spring, and thank goodness it doesn't sound like he's going to miss anything for, for the fall, but that would have been horrific just in the sense of having two of your best players at the same position go down. Very true. And yes. I think what you just said, Dave, is huge too. The great Eric Russell told me once, he said, you're always going to have injuries. It kills you when they come in the same it's spot. Same spot. Oh, yeah. it's it's. Uh, you know, what if you have your top two quarterbacks go down? Yeah, well, what if happened. your top two left tackles go Yo, down? You're you're fried. Yeah, yeah. You got no chance. You can't then. just say next man up and then hold it against the team for not being as good as you want them to be. No, that's exactly right, and that's and the starters are starting for a reason. <laughs> and I think that's especially true in the pros because in college you can have a situation like Richard LeCount was a great player and we missed him. Don't get me wrong. Georgia might beat Florida with him. Who knows? But Christopher Smith came in and played well. He's a good player. Or you could have that that air appear like Major Burns stepped in and started playing well. You, you so you might have that junior or senior who's a great player. Let's say he gets hurt and you've got that true freshman who was a big time recruit or you've got that other veteran in the nfl though with the salary cap issues i mean if you lose an ace at a certain position and i heard john david i were talking about this in the car coming back from clemson and i was glad to hear gruden say this because it kind of grinded my oh it's just next man up so well well, let's hold off on this was easier said than done come on the guy was starting for a reason yeah and, and like That'd you be like said, saying, well, we, we didn't start the best guy because we thought he might get hurt, and then we'd have a better guy to come in and replace him. That it, sounds nonsensical, but that's, that's kind of like what's saying, hey, we'll be fine next man up. It's like, well, not necessarily, not unless the next man was just as good as the one you had before, and he probably wasn't right because he wasn't starting. Now, if, if you're in a spotlight, let's say it's on the offensive line, and oh my gosh, we're losing our right guard, but... The rest of the line, our other 10 are healthy. Our other four O-line starters are healthy. And the backup's been playing a good bit. We, we think he was going to be the heir apparent anyway. I think you can survive with, with one guy. But when it starts getting two, three, you're just a shell of a team. And, and I just, again, going back to the Florida game last year, no pickings. And then Jordan Davis gets hurt against Kentucky. LeCount gets in the accident. And you're thinking, if somebody would have told you before the year, and, and again, I think we'd agree, all three of those guys, were, we talk about top five players yep. last year, no doubt. Yeah. And and I, I just remember the Monday of the Florida game, I talked with Malcolm Mitchell and said, well, Mal, I, I said, I'm not feeling good. What do you think? And he, he just said, 
the number of times that ball is going to be in the air, not to have a guy like LeCount back there because he's the type of player who can make that interception, who can deflect that pass, who can make that game-changing play. You're just going to miss that. And then obviously you think about the games that Davis had in Jacksonville in 18 and 19 when he was just collapsing the interior line. And and th- that also gets us back to Pickens and you know, even going back to the first game against Arkansas, you know, we are struggling. We got, what, second and 17 from the 20 and just get it to him. He makes a spectacular play, scores a touchdown. I mean, the catch he had at the end of the first half against Missouri when they had got the momentum right. for a TD. Then then to start the second half, Daniels hits him on a check down for a touchdown. And, and I still think there are just some guys that you see when you talk about being different. The play he had in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl – Georgia was down five, and it was about a 25, 27-yard gain. And it's out on the right side. And he does a complete somersault. He's got the ball up in his right hand. And you're just saying, like, okay, that just shows there are very few people who can do that play. And I remember even – Emily, we're all watching. He goes, oh, my gosh. She's been around me too much. She goes, oh, protect the ball. And I just go, he's fine. (laughs) He can – Well, even though that that video that was leaked out of practice – of the, oh, yeah. of the catch yeah that didn't happen by accident he is a he is a different athlete yeah and you know it's it's a huge play and you know you also you know kind of start talking about some georgia lore you know find me a receiver that had better back-to-back bowl games than he did against baylor and cincinnati Oof. i mean he was yeah. the mvp of the sugar bowl yeah and i, I think he uh, he could have been the offensive mvp of the peach bowl who was well, they, I know Ojolari got MVP, Ojolari, yeah. and then I guess Camarda was the runner-up. Okay, but I, I would say I thought Pickens was the most valuable. Now Daniels was great on the game-winning drive. Oh yeah, but I P- just I don't I can't remember those things. They don't I stick know. in my head. They don't anymore. stick the way they used to. Like when you, well, like, we wish uh, we wish Pickens uh, again nothing but the best. Certainly Jermaine Burton, and we're happy for him and hope hope he gets well and look forward to him having a big fall. Uh, interesting news coming out today. It's as if they've been listening to the crossover podcast when we were talking about places you'd like to go see the dogs mm-hmm. play football. Well, we have a new one on the list now. Churchill Downs. Yes. How do you feel about 26 and 27 Georgia it, it, playing against Louisville? Well, it is amazing what the dogs are doing with the schedule. So basically now, presuming everything stays at 12, you're going to have eight SEC games, Tech, and essentially starting in about five, six years, not one, but two other big-name opponents virtually every year. In 26. Yeah. And so what is that? One, two, three. Still six more years I away. Know. but It'll be here quickly. It'll be here before you know it. Yes, and we'll be even older. So 26, UCLA and Athens at Louisville. Great basketball schedule. Yes, it is. <laughs> and then the Tech game, 27 at Florida State and Louisville and Athens. Mm-hmm. 28 Florida State here and a trip to Texas. Jeez. 29 at Clemson, Texas comes here. Let, let, can I, re, yeah. When you finish that, bring me back to 29. All right. 30 Clemson here, Ohio State here. And 30, both. they're both here. Yes. And I'm trying to think is an even numbered year. Those, that's presumably when Tennessee Tech and Auburn are all in Athens. Well, that'll be a good home oh, schedule. Oh no! See, the the COVID's messed me up, so I got to think of it. I know. And remember, all right? So, so because like Auburn everything. and Tennessee, so we could in theory have Auburn, Tennessee Tech, Ohio State, and Clemson. 
Wow. It's a good home schedule. And then what do you say? 31 is at Oklahoma. I'm sorry, Oklahoma here at Ohio State. 32, Clemson here. 33, Clemson there. So in 30, we get Clemson and Ohio State good gosh. coming to town. So where would that be? What are, so what year would we have where we either go? I guess that's because the – in other words, what I'm trying to say is you have both of those – at home in one year, would there be a year where you'd have no. two tough ones on the road? No, there, there's not. Just, just the way it worked out. Oh, okay. So well, that's good. Yeah, so there'll be one of those years we get a, a seven-game home schedule, and it's going to be sweet. Uh, for 29, did you say, is that FSU in Texas in 29? 29 at Clemson and uh, Texas here. Okay, the, the game at Clemson is the opener, I think. And I think Texas is game three. It might be vice versa, but Texas and Clemson are the first and third game. And from what I understand, we're trying to get Yale for that 12th game oh, yeah, to play yeah. in between for the 100th anniversary yes. of the stadium, which I think would be awesome. I'm sure Yale's like, well, uh. Well, I mean, but, you know, and it could be a thing even like, <laughs> listen, it's a one in a hundred and uh, who knows. Do we need to do this? Maybe the Ivy starts giving scholarships by then. And they were like, <laughs> hey, a hundred years ago, they were a powerhouse. Yeah. Who, you never know. You know. Who would have thought 50 years ago Gonzaga would be favored over UCLA? Yeah. You know, and bath- but That's a anyway, good point. And, and it could be a thing, too, about, hey, listen, if y'all come, we'll, we'll play the second team. But anyway, I think that is <laughs> – really really cool scheduling right there well it's it's great to see it it's not great that it's still gonna be six years away sure. that we have these two games every year but hopefully moving forward it's just going to be like that every year but and, and the other thing it does whether the playoff expands or not I, I think it'll get you to a point of let's say you split those games beat tech and go seven and one in the league if you're 10 and two in the sec championship game playing a schedule like that and you win you should be in the playoff and i would imagine you would be well i think that is i'm assuming that's why we're seeing schools start scheduling a little bit more aggressively because they so know too. there's going to be a bigger field i would think so because honestly from a business standpoint i guess you could say well it does make sense to do it this way for your fans and you certainly want to take care of your fans but you could get too aggressive and miss out on the playoff if you don't win these games you schedule right and the fans love them we've joked about this before these games, oh, it's awesome, it's awesome. And then you don't – but either Oklahoma or Georgia is not going to win. That's right. Either Clemson or Georgia is not going to win. That's right. Either Ohio State or Georgia is not going right. to win. There's going to be a fan base that's going to be unhappy with this scheduling. And why are you doing – and let's say it's a year like in 30. What if we, we could have a great team and lose <laughs> to Ohio State and Clemson, and then all of a sudden you're you're – one and two or oh and two heading into the league but would you say though let's just say in a worst case scenario in 29 you lost to texas and then you lost to clemson Mm -hmm. but you won every other game you got two losses you've got to be in the if you're the sec champ if you go undefeated the rest of the way you're gonna get in an 18 playoff you oh an 18 i think even a four team right yeah even a four team but at that point i'm assuming It'll be an eight team or maybe a six, maybe a couple of buys. Well, we're going to try and tinker with. But you think, well, Auburn in 2017, they lost to LSU in a non-conference game to Clemson, but they beat Georgia and Alabama, and they were in a spot had they won in Atlanta. They'd have gotten in with two losses. They would have gotten in with two losses. Because the other loss was was Clemson. Yeah. And you have to take that into account. Because a lot of schools, this also gets back to when in 2002, 
college football went to the 12 game schedule they tried it in 02 and 03 then went to it permanently in 06 but remember that first year it's like oh my gosh we got georgia clemson back we got florida miami back i remember like south carolina played virginia and then you had alabama play in oklahoma okay this is what that was supposed to do well now you've seen far too many teams just say oh we're just gonna play three or four just slugs and there have been Arkansas has had some embarrassing opponents, some of whom have beaten them. Kentucky, Ole Miss, it just yeah. you might play one decent one. I, I mean, just decent, but it's you know it's it, it's a bad deal. And, and I do believe, like I think this year Georgia's the only team that's playing two Power Five non-conference. Yes, in the con- yes, you are correct. Mm-hmm. So, that's, that's not good for and, and here's another thing too would you know the florida game where will in, in eight years knows. it's hard to say where it's going to be being played i vote for jacksonville i, I understand as uh, as bogey said in casablanca i also uh <laughs> understand the perspective of the hound yeah, <laughs> yeah. so well, i vote for jacksonville too yeah, but if it's in I get it athens and gainesville i get that too yeah I mean, that's, I'm not going to get a die on that hill, but I usually stay with tradition and I prefer Jacksonville. And I think it's a thing too, that, that, that toothpaste is hard to get back at the tube <laughs> as well. Oh and yeah. Cause I think if it goes away from Jacksonville, it ain't going back. It's gone. And for so many fans who do go there, all of a sudden, whoa, well now mm-hmm. it's a very small amount that get to go. And now you're going to Gainesville and you are severely outnumbered there. It's, it's it's an entirely different feel but i also understand and a lot of people do want it here and i get that i'm, I'm not saying they're wrong i just prefer jacksonville no I, I i hear you i hear you and and i'm with you on that too mm-hmm. yeah I, I do and i think for the schedule a couple of things the, the number one we have got to get this thing straight with, with tech and auburn we, we got to get that yeah. fixed and the, yeah. the league owes us one and I would imagine that's something that Josh has has got on his to do list there. Um, and, and then, you know, j- just to, to try and I, I would like to get it to where Georgia doesn't go Knoxville and Nashville both in the same year. Mm-hmm. Just from a you know the league doesn't really care, but from a selfish standpoint for the fans, those are both great trips. And I remember when they used to be back to back every year, sure. and, and you're thinking, well. Now, that'd be neat if one was in Athens and one mm-hmm. was up there, but that'd be another little thing that I'd like to see. But certainly, we've got to get it fixed uh, where we're not playing both Tech and Auburn, both on the road or both at home in the same year. All right, we got a couple more minutes, and we've got South Carolina coming up this weekend in baseball. I had a couple of people ask me what I thought of our first COVID road trip. Mm-hmm. And not as much the results but are traveling with the team excuse me without the team without the team and at the hard rock cafe in the houston airport <laughs> both ways mm-hmm. so it it just added a day to the trip for okay. us it was weird being in college station sunday night when the team had already left we got up and flew back first thing monday morning it is a little weird though that we're basically on the same hallway with the team and right and that kind of thing but can't get on the plane with the team we're not in the protocol hopefully that'll be fixed by the arkansas trip or at least remedied or whatever but you and i did something or we saw something this weekend we'd never seen before 
Georgia lead Texas A&M after an inning. And then Sunday, a great win bouncing back from that heartbreaking loss on Saturday. And we actually saw the dogs win a game out there. It was great. And I thought after the heartbreaker on Saturday, a game Georgia really should have won. Had a couple of strategic decisions that backfired. And then Texas A&M just cashed in in the ninth. Georgia missed an opportunity. And then A&M scored two runs. And you're thinking, my gosh, we've never won out here. It was the first time we had led. DJ, we've seen enough of these. It's like we could get boat raced today. <laughs> and then we fall behind four to one. Then lo and behold, a four-run seventh inning against a team that hadn't blown a six-inning lead all year. And then got a got a solo insurance homer from Josh McAllister. Freshman Jaden Woods was great and uh, picked up a huge win, uh, which was terrific to see. And then followed that up on Tuesday night with a 2 nothing win at Clemson. Yeah. So, you know, South Carolina is playing great. They just swept Florida. And uh, th- this is a nice little two-game win streak that Georgia's put together. Feels good to head into the weekend with some good momentum. I'd rather be playing them with them coming off a sweep of Me Florida as opposed too. to being swept by Florida. Me too. And that's what we felt because Florida had swept A&M yeah. on the opening weekend. And we're thinking, oh, my gosh, we got A&M coming off getting swept. That's going to be tough. So it's uh, it's definitely, I think, to your advantage when you're catching somebody who's flying high when they're coming in. Yeah, and they'll be here for the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games. And there's only two series that are going Friday, mm. Saturday, and Sunday this weekend. It is Easter Sunday. I wish the entire conference were off. Me too. Tennessee and Alabama are also playing, and, and our series with South Carolina, those are the only ones. And uh, South Carolina – uh, like you were saying, they they got uh, the sweep of Florida this past weekend, and here, you know, talking about a big win, they get no hit by lighter, and they come back and win the next day. And there's something to be said for that. And I don't know about you, but this Jack Lighter thing, you know, fat, drunk, and stupid <laughs> is no way to go through life. Zero point zero zero. The league is 0 for 48 against him in the first two weekends. Are we seeing with him, and this may sound like a dumb question the way it comes out of my mouth, something historical like the rest of the way through the, the league? I mean, I can't think of somebody that's like caught my attention like this except for like when Steven Strasburg was at, what, San Diego or San Diego State, whichever one he attended. And... I remember like every weekend wanting to know how he did and what his numbers were. And that's all of a sudden how I've gotten here with lighter. No doubt for a starting pitcher. Uh, you might even remember from Georgia's standpoint in 2008, Josh Fields didn't give up a run in the regular season. Yeah. He had that spotless ERA. 0.00. But what they've got with lighter and Kumar Rocker, who are going to be two of the top three picks in the draft, both of them at 6-0. and oh. And you're exactly right with lighter. I mean, uh, throwing a no-hitter in this league, it's hard to do in any league but in the sec and to do it against the south carolina gamecocks walks the leadoff man retires 27 in a row then comes back and throws a seven inning no hitter against missouri they take him out now the team did lose the no hitter later but when you look at those stats in the league the opposition 0 for 48 you're exactly right <laughs> we're seeing something historic with him and just the the, the lighter rocker combination is uh, phenomenal and we, we've seen some great pitchers in this league and we've seen some one-two punches hey vandy's had them. We think about david price and mike minor you know, walker bueller and carson fulmer they could have had ian anderson on god would wow. he be a junior right now in fact 
Oh man, he's I don't know. Young. He's yeah, only he like is. twenty. Yeah. What he if he was a, what if he was their Sunday guy? I don't know what anyone is anymore. I don't no, know if I they're know. freshmen, sophomore, juniors, or seniors. If it was Kumar, Leiter, and and Ian Anderson, wow. but uh but this this one two punch could be could be the all timer. Well, Vandy this weekend is at LSU. Oh, that'll be great. <laughs> Can you imagine what that would be like in a non-COVID year? And the Holy cow. Tigers are scuffling. They're one in five. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. I kinda, if this was football, I, I kind of like LSU here. By the way, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. Half the league is under 500. And Not 500 or below, but mm-hmm. under 500. And that's where getting that win was so big. Because is it five that are one in five or zero oh in six? there's uh four that are so you got missouri alabama and lsu are one and five and auburn's zero and six so four that have one or less wins so that's again where what so georgia is you're you're out of that pit yeah. at least for for at least a game and stealing that saturday game against oh. uh, tennessee and oh then coming gosh. back and getting a, a good win on sunday against texas a&m now this team shows a lot of fight i mean they're fun to watch they're just not explosive yeah and you know just the, the, with all the injuries the dogs have had the, the pitching is just not set up but they battle and you know, definitely showed a lot of heart and guts to win those games on Sunday and Tuesday. Yeah, for sure. Those are hard places for sure. to play. Well, uh, interesting week coming up. Uh, we'll be back at some point next week, and not, we didn't get around to any Masters talk, but next week is Masters week. Oh, I want to throw one at you. I asked Cuts this. I think we'd agree with, with Kepka's injury situation that the favorite's Dustin Johnson. I would say the number two is DeChambeau. Would you probably say Justin Thomas is three? Oh, yeah. Okay. If you had to pick a fourth for your foursome, uh, are you, I, th- I think Cut said Rom. Uh, who yeah. would you lean? Rom would be my fourth also. Okay. I still keep thinking, though, we're going to see Xander Shoffley do something. He could. He's just been around yeah. it so often. Morikawa's sneaky, too. He's really yeah, good. Yeah. And, and you always kind of keep it on what happened at Bay Hill, what mm-hmm. happened at Riviera. Yeah. And there are just so many good young players yeah. out there. Exactly. I mean, it is insane. And even a guy, I mean, I don't think he's going to win, but Speed's been playing better. He he's getting a little been. more confidence. He's been rolling the ball better. He's actually won at Augusta. Yes, he has. Should have two it's or so three. It's so funny because one of my buddies was like, "What? You know, like, what? How did Spieth qualify to get in the Masters?" Well, and I went, "Well, he won." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I totally forgot. It seems like that was a hundred years ago." It was a runaway because uh, everyone thinks of the collapse of and kind of forgets about the win. So could you know? It's well as could could Justin Rose maybe pop back in? Somebody's going to have a hot week. Somebody you haven't thought about who's down on the list, yeah. and then there's going to be an excellent player with pedigree who's going to get hot at the right time who's going to contend and by the uh, way six bulldogs in the field that's all because brian Harmon qualified over the weekend and we've seen that happen before too i mean uh, russell henley got in by winning houston then finished 11th you made a great play qualified twice in eight days that's right right so who knows Harmon could give it a go uh my best bet for a bulldog to contend harris english would be my pick harris well you got harris you got hudson swafford mm-hmm. you got bubba you got Harmon, you got brendan todd and you got kids yeah. six great bulldogs yes six great bullets but i'm gonna pick harris as the is the low dog this week or next week yeah 
not at the Texas Open, but we'll. No, it's sad. It's sad. The Masters, it's like we're a week away from the Masters. Yeah, we're two weeks away from it being over. <laughs> I know. I know. It is a lot like Christmas. All right, Jeff. Enjoyed it, my enjoyed friend. Enjoyed it. We will get on out of here. This has been episode number 181 of the Crossover Podcast. And again, you can find us in the App Store with your iPhone, Google Play with your Android. We've got the dogs in South Carolina coming up this weekend. Next weekend is the uh the masters and then the following weekend we got g day so lots and lots of stuff going on in april again thanks for joining us we got to get out of here we are desperately out of time tony shivani have a great rest of your day thanks for joining us here on 960 the ref and the 960 the ref app you've been listening to the crossover on 960theref.com 